He took what you're worried about. He took that sin. He took that addiction. He took that anger. He took that bad mistake. He took it all. And you know what he says? There is no condemnation for who? For those that are in Christ Jesus. If he says that, let's agree with him and let's start letting some of that go. Because you're living technically free and yet you're still putting yourself back in bondage. You don't have to pay. It's already been paid. The Lamb of God is your Lamb. And He paid it for you. It's time now for the Autumn Miles Show. It's your girl, Autumn Miles, coming back to you with quite possibly one of my most favorite series that I've ever done. Today, when I say today is going to be intense, it's going to be intense. Your girl has prayed. I have been in in lots of passages of scripture. So get your Bibles out, get your pen and paper out. We are not going to go surfacy on today's message. Because today we did two weeks on the line of the tribe of Judah. And today we are starting to talk about the lamb of God. And when I say it's going to be a lot, it's going to be a lot, but we're going to end on a high note and we are going to worship the Lord at the end of the message after the break. I'm so glad you guys are joining in. I'm so thankful to hear from you guys. I feel like we have just heard from so many of you guys over the last couple of weeks that have said, I'm listening. I mean, I've gotten text messages from my friends <laughs> saying, I listened to that lion. That's exactly what I needed. I needed a lion. And I just thank you guys for your support. I mean, there's thousands of you guys that are that listen every single week. And just to know that is so awesome that you would put us on something to click that you would trust what we're doing is just unbelievable. And I can speak for my entire team to say we work hard for you. And our goal is to magnify Jesus, the name of Jesus. We want to spiritually challenge you while magnifying and glorifying his name. So I'm so glad you're with us. Okay. So what's going on in my life? Well, here we go. Has your kids ever tried out for a sport? Probably most of you are like, yes, yes, they have. I want to talk for a second about my son, um, Jude. I hope you're enjoying his music going into our breaks during this series. I want to talk about him because he recently tried out for the baseball team at the school. Now, since kindergarten, I think it's either kindergarten or first grade. I'm not like a hundred on that, but since first grade, this child has played baseball every single spring. I mean, there's a couple of years that he played fall ball, but then football overtook his whole mind and his whole passion. And so he does football in the fall. So I have watched him since he was six, I think, play baseball. I don't know about you. I am one of the crazy moms in the stands. I have no shame over here. I scream for all of my kids. I want them all to do amazing. Eddie and I both, which we didn't know this until a couple years ago, are um, known for cheering the loudest. As a matter of fact, one of my neighbors, her kids are in my kids' grade. She's like, if you're not yelling, I feel like I should yell for you. I know you're not there if you're not yelling and cheering your children on. So some Sometimes I just feel like I need to yell for you if you're not there. And it was, it was so sweet when she told me that. I'm like, really? We're that loud? She's like, yeah, yeah, you are. But we're present. We're there. We cheer for our kids. And I've been cheering this boy in baseball since he was six years old. Okay. I could cry at the amount of 
times he is up to bat when I have literally called down heaven on his behalf and said, oh God, please help my son hit this ball. You know, please God help my son hit this ball. I have prayed for wins in in his team's games. I have prayed for, you know, the rain to stop. I have prayed. I mean, you know, I, I go in for literally every single, I have prayed to find the other cleat, which, you know, the cleats were together the day before. And then the day of game, somehow Satan takes the cleat and hides it. So moms can be in bad moods on their way to the game. Anyway, I've just, I prayed over this kid and he has played a ball where you kind of sign him up. You know how you do the, the little league thing. You like sign him up and they're automatically on the team or whatever. So we've never had a problem with him making a baseball team, but baseball is very near and dear to his heart. And the school had tryouts last week. I don't know who it's worse for the mom or the child when the child is trying out. This happens when Grace has tried out for cheerleader for all those years for like plays when she gets parts, when Moses, you know, all four of my kids, it's, it's literally like it's shaving years off my life because I'm like, God, you know how much he loves us. Please just give this to our son. Well, he tried out last Friday night. And he comes home and here I have been literally storming the gates of heaven every single hour saying, God, help him, help him get his slot on the team. He gets in my car on the way back from tryouts and I look at him and I say, son, I've been praying all day. I've been waiting to hear how did it go? And this is his response. Fine. (laughs) And I just waited. How? Okay, how did it go? Good. Here I am storming the gates of heaven and he is saying fine and good. Two two words, two words. And I looked at him and I said, that is not enough. You better tell me how many balls you hit, how many balls you caught, who who's trying out, what, what does your chances look like? And he's like, Okay, mom. Okay. So he starts telling me he ended up having second tryout the next day, which he went and he came and got my card. I said, how did it go? And his response was much different because I was very, very, very passionate about how wrong his response was the day before. He tried out. He told me everything that happened on Saturday. And then they like post who made it on Sunday, right? So I'm getting ready for church on Sunday and I like, he goes to church cause he helps the kids. And I, I, I text him and I'm like, you want me to go see if the list is up? And, and like, I'm dying because I prayed all of this time for him to make this team. And he's like, no, I'm good. I'm like, why am I more invested in this than you are? You are driving me up a wall. I, I almost went and looked for myself. As a matter of fact, I should have went and looked just for myself, but I didn't. And after church, we went to lunch at In-N-Out and he's getting like a refill of his drink. He looks down at his phone, not kidding you guys, in in and out he screamed as loud as he can. And do you want to know what name he screamed out? Dad. <laughs> I'm like, dad, dad. He did not scream mom. He screamed dad. Was my husband praying like crazy last week? Probably not as much as I was. But who gets the credit when he finds out he actually made the team? Dad. What is up with that? I don't understand. So anyway, he made the team. We had to buy a new bat. That, I mean, I'm like, listen, I my friends use bats from Walmart. Apparently, he needs a bat that's not from Walmart. I don't know, whatever. Anyway, we bought him a new bat, and my boy is on the team. My husband gets the credit, but that's okay, because between me and you, we know who prayed him there. We know who did it. 
Anyway, that's what's happening in my life. Guys, do not miss this first installment of the Lamb of God. Hang with me after the break. Also want to do, want to make this announcement. Our merch for this is live. So go to autumnmiles.com, look up our merchandise. We've got a jersey. We've got two sweatshirts. They are amazing. And it's going to, it goes right in line with the content that I'm sharing right now. So I will see you after the break. Prepare your little heart. It is going to be good. Let's go. Strength and peace, a warrior for man. God is my God, he lined in lamb. Joy and love, the great I am. God is my God, he lined in Strength and peace, creator of man. Yeah. Said one word and then it went bam. Yeah. Loves us all more than we can understand. Yeah. Everything's wrong, now it's part of his plan. Looking for a passionate speaker to bring the Word of God for your next conference or church function? We've got the girl for you. Autumn Miles is the founder of the Autumn Miles Ministries with the goal of spiritually challenging the way people think. Autumn is dedicated to teaching the Bible in an engaging and relatable way so that everyone can experience the Lord in a deeper way. Autumn is a survivor of domestic abuse, and she's passionate about educating the church on how to effectively assist victims. Her message of hope and healing has been shared on the big stage internationally. Autumn is devoted to spiritually challenging people to draw closer to God. She is a passionate advocate for the Word of God, women, domestic violence victims, and adoption. So what are you waiting for? You can book Autumn for your next speaking engagement today. Just go to autumnmiles.com. Once there, just search the top of the index for the Invite Autumn tab. Click on it and scroll down for more information. Once again, that's autumnmiles.com. Let's go. Strength and peace, a warrior for man. God is my God, he lined in lamb. Joy and love, the great I am. God is my God, he lined in Strength and peace, creator of man. Said one word and then it went bam. Loves us all more than we can understand. Everything's wrong, now it's part of his plan. Okay, guys, here we are back. We talked for two weeks about the lion of the tribe of Judah. I hope you and you are so encouraged. That lion is your lion. He is ready to fight for you. He needs to go before you. You need to let him. You need to bow down before the lion of the tribe of Judah and let him do his thing. Last week, we talked about the lion of the tribe of Judah is the lion of all other lions. The lions in the lion's den with Daniel, they had no chance. They had no chance because the lion of the tribe of Judah shut their mouths. And this week we are going to talk about the lamb of God. And you guys, I have literally been emotional this entire day. All my application is going to be at the end, but I have no shame when I tell you I have a lot of scriptures and I think they're needed because I'll talk through some of them. I I won't share all of them, but I think they're needed because this is something we must talk about more. This lamb of God, precious lamb of God, Jesus, which I'm going to walk you through today and his sacrifice and how important it was and how vital it was needs to be, I think, talked about more. A lot of times we're very us focused in the church. How do I feel? I'm going through this. I'm going through that. I feel like this. I'm fearful. I'm scared. I'm anxious. And the thing that we must do is rather be so focused on us We need to fix our eyes. What does Hebrews 12 say? Fix your eyes on Jesus. So today we are going to do that exercise. I want whatever it is that you are dealing with, whatever it is that you're facing today, I want you to take a break from thinking about all of those things. And we're going to take the next however long it takes me to get through this. And I want you to fix your eyes on the Lamb of God. And I'm going to bring it home and it's going to be powerful. So Lord, I just ask that you take us through your word. I ask, Lord, that um, you lead us and you guide us and you show us the beautiful pieces of you that are all throughout your scripture. 
Father God, I pray for those that are listening today that they're leaned in and listened. And God, I just pray that this would be a powerful moment in their lives, that they realize that what I'm facing and what I'm dealing with is conquered. What I'm worried about and the struggles that I have, the battle is over and it was over before my struggle even began. I pray, Lord, for a new song to come out of those that are listening today. This time is you, this holy, in Jesus' name, amen. I want to go to Revelation 5. We're going to talk about the qualities of the Lamb next week, but I, I couldn't say anything about the Lamb of God without fully focusing on why he was called the Lamb of God, okay? Uh, Revelation 5, that's my foundational text. I will be in it all four weeks of this series. Now, you know all about the Lion of the tribe of Judah because I told you all about the Lion of the tribe of Judah. So we're going to pick it up in Revelation 5, verse 6. John is speaking. He says, and I saw between the throne with the four living creatures and the elders, a lamb standing as if slain, having seven horns. Now I want to read this to you because I think it's really, really cool. The horn is an ancient Jewish symbol for power or strength. So that's one of the reasons why he's having this vision of a lamb that has seven horns. Everything is very representative in the book of Revelation. Everything means something. So when you're looking at the horns in anxious Jewish tradition, it meant power or it meant strength. That's why he's seeing this lamb as if slain with seven horns and seven eyes. And it tells us which are the seven spirits of God sent out in all the earth. And he, this lamb, as if slain, came and took the book out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And we know that that is God himself, God the Father. Verse 8, when he had taken the book, the four living creatures and 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each one holding a harp and golden bowls of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Do you realize that every single prayer that you have prayed is housed in golden bowls in the throne room of heaven uh, where 24 elders hold them and, and they're continually aroma for God himself in heaven? So this is quite a scene that is going on in the throne room, even as we speak. And verse nine says this, and they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the book and break its seals for you were slain and purchased for God with blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and a priest to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. I want to get this part in because we're going to talk about it at the end of the show. Verse 11 says this, Then I looked and I heard a voice of many angels around the throne and living creatures and elders, and the number of them was myriads and myriads and thousands of thousands. Meaning, he saw so many people singing, they could not be numbered. Myriads and myriads and thousands of thousands. He has no idea how many people he's looking at. All he knows is that there are so many people and they're all doing the same thing. They are saying, verse 12, with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And get this, verse 13, and Every created thing, every created thing, every single created thing, every one of them, which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all things in them. So, so everything, every single created thing is doing this. I heard saying 
to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. And the four living creatures kept saying, amen. So be it. Amen. So be it. Amen. So be it. They were all agreeing constantly and the elders fell down and worshiped. I could stop right there. It's important to note right here that what John saw between the throne and the elders was a lamb standing as if was slain. That represents Jesus, and I'm going to tell you why. I think sometimes we hear Lamb of God and we don't realize the significance of what the Lamb and why Jesus is likened to a Lamb why he's likened to a lamb and what that has to do with him dying on the cross for our sin. The lamb was extremely symbolic. And I'm going to take you through a tour of scripture and we're going to talk about the holiness of this practice of the slaying of a lamb in scripture. But before we do that, I want to go to Isaiah 53, which is talking about Jesus. And this is one of the reasons why we know that the lamb that was slain was in fact, Jesus. Isaiah 53 says this, who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed. This is a prof- this is prophetic speaking of the suffering servant which we know is Jesus Christ because everything that he prophesies Isaiah prophesies in Isaiah 53 actually comes to fruition in the gospels. It is beautifully written of course by God himself, but it is also very succinctly displayed when you get to Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. It's incredible. He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of the parched ground. He had no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. He was despised and forsaken of men. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. I'm going to read a lot through Isaiah 53. And like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised and we did not esteem him. We didn't honor him. Verse four, surely our griefs he himself bore and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. Verse five, he was pierced through on the cross but he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening of our well-being fell on him and by his stripes or scourging in my version, we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each one has turned to his own way, but the Lord has called the iniquity of us all to fall on him, Jesus. Verse seven, he was oppressed. He was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He didn't talk at the end of his life when he was being accused. Yet he did not open his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that is silent before it shears. So he did not open his mouth. Verse eight, by oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgressors of my people to whom the stroke was due, his grave was assigned with the wicked men. He was buried in a tomb. Yet with the rich man in his death, because he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth, but the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief that he would render himself as a guilt offering. We're going to talk about that in just a second. He will see his offspring. He will prolong his days and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. And as a result of the anguish of his son, 
He will see it and be satisfied. By his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, Jesus, will justify the many as he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will allot him a portion with the great and he will divide the booty with the strong because he poured out himself to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he himself bore the sin of many and interceded for the transgressors. Verse seven says, this. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth like a lamb led to the slaughter and like a sheep that is silent before its shears. He did not open his mouth. Now, in Revelation 5, where we know that it's Jesus based on the rest of the Bible, okay? Isaiah 53, the suffering servant, this gives us a complete look at a, a prophetic look at what we, we know in hindsight Isaiah was prophesying to, okay? We know that it happened because the gospels have already happened, but Isaiah was prophesying to it. So that is the first glimpse in detail what is going to happen to the suffering servant which is Jesus Christ. Now, why was he led like a lamb to the slaughter? Why was it important to liken the suffering servant or in Revelation, uh, the lamb of God as a lamb to the slaughter? I want to talk to you about how important our atonement for sin is. Now, this is not going to be something where you're like, woohoo, woohoo, this is great. This is just biblically why it was so vital that Jesus took on our sin. Listen to this. In Exodus 29, there is a charge given to the priest. Now, I'm going to geek out a little bit just because I'm obsessed with the historical facts of the Bible. There's a charge. Israel is setting up their own camp, okay? They've just come through Pharaoh. They've just come through all the things, and Israel is now its own nation that God himself is going to lead. So they're setting up laws. They're setting up rules. They're setting up things that must be done. And one of the things that God is telling Moses and then and then the priest is that there must be atonement for the sin of the Israelites. It must be atoned for. If you remember back in Exodus 11, the Passover lamb, okay, that's when all of this started. They all got a lamb. They put the blood on the doorpost. And then when the angel passed by, if they had blood on the doorpost, then he passed right by their house, okay? Same concept is happening right here. The same concept, but it's about to become a routine. It's about to become something that is going to have to be done in order for God to have fellowship with his people. This is what is set up. Verse 38, Exodus 29, 38. Now, this is what you shall offer. He's talking to the priest. So the priests are responsible for offering this on behalf of the people for their sin. Now, this is what you shall offer on the altar. Two one-year-old lambs each day continuously, meaning you're going to have to offer two one-year-old lambs every day indefinitely. The one lamb you shall offer, verse 39, in the morning, and the other lamb you shall offer at twilight, and there shall be one-tenth of an ephah of fine flour mixed with one-fourth of a hen of beaten oil and one-fourth of a hen of wine for a drink offering with one lamb. That is intense, you guys. But it was exactly what God wanted and what he needed to atone so that so that the priest could atone for the sins of the Israelite people. Verse 41, the other lamb you shall offer at twilight and shall offer with it the same grain offering and that same drink offering as in the morning for a soothing aroma and offering by fire to the Lord. It shall be a continual burnt offering throughout How long are we going to do this? Your generations at the doorway of the tent of meeting before the Lord, where I will meet with you to speak 
to you. I will meet with you there with the sons of Israel and it shall be consecrated by my glory. I will consecrate the tent of meeting and the altar and I will consecrate Aaron and his sons to minister as priest to me. I will deliver among the sons of Israel and will be their God. They shall know that I am the Lord, their God, who brought them out of the land of Egypt, that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord, their God. Why did they have to do that? Why every morning and every evening at twilight did the priest have to offer atonement for all the people? This is why that I, verse 46, might dwell among them. The sins had to be atoned for so that God himself could come down and meet with them and he could have a relationship with them, which is exactly what he wanted. You'll note how throughout all of Leviticus, Deuteronomy, you know, all of these different books, we see God interacting with the priest of Israel and doing amazing things for the prophets and, and the priest of Israel. He in order for him to to be around them, all of their sins had to be atoned for. So that was one of the practices. I want to move on to Leviticus 5, 5 and 6. This is another, another thing. This is called the law of the guilt offering. Now, if you're totally incredibly bored by this, I'm so sorry, but this is exactly important to know why it's important that Jesus died on the cross for our sin. It says in Isaiah 53 verse 10, but the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief that he would render himself as a guilt offering. Okay. I'm going to go to Leviticus 5, and I'm going to tell you what had to happen pre-Jesus for someone who was guilty of doing something wrong to be cleansed. This is what it says, the law of the guilt offerings. Leviticus 5 verse 5 says this, so it shall be when he becomes guilty in one of these, one of these, I'm going to pick it up in four, or if a person swears thoughtlessly with his lips to do evil or to do good in whatever matter a man may speak thoughtlessly with an oath and it is hidden from him and then he comes to know it, he will be guilty of one of these. So if you are guilty of basically sin, This is what you got to do if you know you're guilty. So it shall be when he becomes guilty in one of these that he shall confess that in which he has sinned. Confess. Sounds very likened to the New Testament. Verse six, he shall bring his guilt offering to the Lord for his sin, which he has committed a female from the flock, a lamb or a goat as a sin offering. So the priest shall make what? Atonement on his behalf for his sin. You guys, when you roll through the history and think of the enormity of what Jesus did, it is so sobering. When they call him in Revelation 5, a lamb, and and says as if he was slain. When we look in Isaiah and we see that he himself became the guilt offering. When we go back to Exodus and we see the practice that had to be put in place morning and evening by the priest continually to atone for the sins of Israel. It gives us a greater picture of why Jesus coming was such a big deal. Can you imagine waking up every single morning in the Israelite camp? You can smell, you get the aroma, you can smell the sacrifice. And you know, as a child, as an adult, whatever, since the inception of all of this in Exodus, you know that what you're smelling is a sacrifice of a lamb, a one-year male, to atone for everything you did wrong. When you begin to wind down your day, you smell that same smell. 
There is a constant atoning day and night, day and night. I mean, just think about it in the Israelite camp. Was this something as they were walking home from work or as they were getting up and getting ready for work or getting the kids ready to, you know, do whatever they did back in the camps in those days? Was it something where they all stopped and they they smelled and they all knew this has to happen for God to dwell? This has to happen for us to meet with God. This has to happen for God to be able to interact with any of us. We have our everything that we have done wrong has to be atoned for. And I kind of said in this for a while because there was a very real understanding of in order for me to have a relationship with God himself, there is an act, a very specific act that has to happen every morning and every evening and every morning morning and every evening and every morning. I'm the reason why that has to happen. You think of the children that were raised at that time, you know, I I mean, I think of the different things that I tell my kids, even right now, when they smell things or when, when something happens, they'll ask me, mom, why, why is that? Like, why do we do that? Why, what is that about? And I get to explain whatever their question is. But in this particular circumstance, you know that those children were asking, what is that smell that we smell every single day? And the fathers and the mothers would lean down and they would say, you know what? Let me tell you a story about how the Lord ransomed us out of Egypt. Let me tell you a story about how the Lord led us through the Red Sea. Let me tell you a story. And this happened every morning and every night for generation upon generation upon generation upon generation until a little baby was born. This was a normal practice. So there was a normal awareness that sin had to be atoned for. And Isaiah, he kind of broke the silence in Isaiah 54, where he, he says he will render himself as a guilt offering. He broke the silence and gave some context that an actual person, a suffering servant, is going to come and render himself on behalf of all of humanity. No one really knew, I don't think, what he was talking about at that point. The Messiah had been prophesied about, but it's kind of like, what? What does that mean? Huh? What does that mean? And then all of a sudden, in Matthew, a baby's born. And he shall be called, according to Isaiah, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. There will be no end to his increase, and the government will be on his shoulders. When John the Baptist sees Jesus, this is what he says. These things took place in Bethany beyond the Jordan where John was baptized. John 1.29, it says this. The next day he, John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. How did John the Baptist know that? It's because he was filled with the Spirit of God. There's Jesus. What you call Jesus, I call the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. It was a prophetic statement because John knew why Jesus had come once and for all to offer himself as a guilt offering on behalf of everyone who had lived, everyone who was living, and everyone who was going to live. His sacrifice is so huge because when he came, every sin was atoned for by him, the lamb, taking them all on him, the crucifixion, as the guilt offering once and for all. No longer did a lamb need to be offered in the morning and evening or when someone was guilty of a sin. No longer. None of that was necessary any longer because the lamb that we see in Revelation 5 that was slain came down to earth and presented himself as a spotless lamb on the cross for you and for me. The practice of them smelling the aroma of the sacrifice in the morning and evening didn't need to happen anymore because it was finished because of the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of 
the world. It hadn't even happened yet. My kids say this to me all the time. I see you, mom. I just got new shoes. They're some sort of Jordan, whatever. I just like them because they're cool. But I came out of the store the other day and Jude looked at me and he was like, I see you, mom. I see your shoes. I'm like, yeah, that's right. I'm a cool mom. Okay. Just, I'm just going to own that um, because my shoes are awesome. <laughs> I see you, mom. That's what John the Baptist was saying to Jesus. I see you, lamb of God, who's going to take away the sins of the world. I see you. That's who you actually are. And one day, all of these people will know that that's who you are too. I want to go to Mark here for a minute. And I want to talk about that moment where Jesus took on all the sins and became that guilt offering once and for all. It says in Mark 15, 33, and that's where we're going to pick it up just for the sake of time. When the sixth hour came, darkness fell over the whole land until the ninth hour. The ninth hour would be about three o'clock. Based on study and just tradition, that evening lamb that I spoke about and read from Exodus would have been offered as a sacrifice. It would have been slain at about 2.30, and it would have been offered as a sacrifice around 3 o'clock every single day. Jewish tradition just tells us that. When it's referring right here to the ninth hour, it is about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, okay? At the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabbatani, which is translated, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of the Weinsteiners heard it, they began saying, Behold, he is calling for Elijah. Someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, but it put it on a reed and gave him a drink, saying, Let us see whether Elijah will come and take him down. And Jesus uttered with a loud cry and breathed his last. About the ninth hour, about three o'clock, about the same time every day that that twilight evening lamb is sacrificed. And guess what happened right after that? Verse 38, and the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. It was over. No longer did there need to be atonement made perpetually. In the morning, in the evening, in the morning, in the evening, in the morning, in the evening. And then if you did something extra, you take it in. The guilt offering had been satisfied. And what happened? The veil to the temple, it separated the holiness of God from our humanity, was torn from the top to the bottom. And do you know why? Because we finally had personal access to God himself because of his son, Jesus, like a lamb to the slaughter, which it says in Isaiah, there he was, he took on everything for us. And we finally at that ninth hour at three o'clock, whenever he breathed his last had access personally to him and still do. I was so moved by this and him am right now because what he did was so significant. I will never forget the day that I realized this. I've told this story so many times, but it's, it never gets old. I'll never forget the day that I realized that I had personal access to the Lamb of God. And I realized that he had literally bore all my sin, all my grievances, everything I had done wrong on him. I'll never forget the way that I felt when I realized and became a believer that night at 3 a.m. in the morning. And I will never, ever, ever be the same. I've never been the same. I stood up from that prayer and I walked a champion for the Lord, knowing that I was forgiven. Everything I had ever done had been atoned for. I don't have to live under condemnation anymore because the Lamb of God took away my payment for what I had done. 
That's why I do what I do today. That's why I'm so passionate about what I do today. I needed everything that I had done. I needed it to be paid. And I, I couldn't pay it myself. I couldn't work my way to righteousness. I couldn't do enough good things. I couldn't go to church enough. I couldn't sing enough worship music. There was something that needed to be paid. And I realized that night at 3 a.m. in the morning over 20 years ago, the relief that came with saying, you did this for me, lamb. And so you take away my sin and I accept your forgiveness for them. I will never, ever, ever forget that. And I feel like some of you today, as I've been reading all through this, I think it's so important for us to center ourselves on the huge difference, not only that this made in in their lives back then and how this makes a difference in our life right now. Those of you that have become believers over the years and you've just lost your passion for the Lord and you just, yeah, Autumn, I know all that stuff. Yeah, Autumn, I was raised in church and I know all that stuff. I want you to get it back. I want you to live like you're forgiven. I want you to live free. You see, what's happening when we don't realize the totality of the significance of the cross is even though we are free, we we don't live as if we're free. We live as if we have to live in bondage forever. And I'm telling you what, he came so that we could live free of those things at Hebrews 12 that easily entangle us. He came so that we could have access to him so that we have a comforter, a deliverer, a savior. And what I find is happening is that although we know that Jesus came to set us free, we're not living as if we are free. One of the things that the Lord brought to my mind so vividly and so poignantly as I was studying all through this for several hours is perfectionism. So many of us are trying to be what we never will be. The Lord really hit me um, so hard with a burden for those of you that are striving and striving and trying and trying and you're trying to do your best, but your best always seems to fail and and it's just never measuring up and it, it doesn't seem to be what you think you could be and you're striving and you're trying to pontificate a version of yourself that you know is false, but you want other people to see the best in you. And you are so exhausted from trying to pontificate this idea of perfectionism. You want your kids to look perfect. You want your house to look perfect. You want your finances to look perfect. You want your marriage to look perfect, but you know, deep down it's not. The beautiful thing about the nation of Israel seeing and smelling the sacrifice in the morning and the evening is that they were constantly reminded that they were never going to, they needed the blood of that lamb to cover all of their impurities and imperfection because that lamb had no spot or no blemish on it. And I want to to tell you, those of you specifically that deal with perfectionism, are you tired? Because the Lamb of God was perfect, so you don't have to be. Let your guard down. You really brought this to mind because I think we have a generation, a culture, a society right now that wants to put their best foot forward on social media. They don't ever want to say, well, I'm struggling with this. Or if they do struggle with that, that even becomes something that they pontificate around as if it is, you know, whatever. But I'm telling you right now, those of you that are struggling with perfectionism and having to be perfect, it is a temptation from the little lion because he knows you never will be. And it's a carrot that'll keep putting in front of you that I'll keep pulling back because he knows the only perfect lamb with no spot or no blemish anywhere on it was the lamb of God. This set me free. 
This is why Paul says, I will glory in my weaknesses. Because he saw how much strength was in God, the lamb that was slain himself. This lamb is your lamb. He's your God. He's your deliverer. He's your savior. He doesn't want you to live in guilt of what you did last week. He doesn't want you to struggle on this hamster wheel of perfectionism day in and day out. It's unnecessary. Just like if they would the next day when they got up to offer the lamb in the morning, it was unnecessary because the lamb of God had once and for all been the guilt offering for the world forever. You don't have to be perfect. You can be flawed. And you can live under something that's even better than perfection. It's forgiveness. And it's grace. That's a new power. That's a new song. I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to have it all together because Jesus was for me. He took what you're worried about. He took that sin. He took that addiction. He took that anger. He took that bad mistake. He took it all. And you know what he says? There is no condemnation. For who? For those that are in Christ Jesus. If he says that, let's agree with him and let's start letting some of that go. Because you're living technically free and yet you're still putting yourself back in bondage. You don't have to pay. It's already been paid. The Lamb of God is your lamb. And he paid it for you. Let it go. Let it go. Let the guilt go. Let that sin go. You're forgiven. Confess. And then let it go. This lamb is your God. And he wants a relationship with you so he can tell you that you're carrying something that he already carried. Let it go. It's too heavy for you anyway, isn't it? You're drowning under the weight of it, aren't you? It's too heavy. And he knows that. So he came to take it for you. Let it go. I want to end with this because this shattered me this morning. Revelation 5, 8 says this, when he had taken the book, the lamb that was slain, when he had taken the book, the four living creatures and 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each one holding a harp and the golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. And this is what they said. Worthy are you to take the book and break its seals, for you were slain and purchased for God with your blood. Men from every tribe and every tongue and people and nation, you have made them to be kingdom and priest to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. What did they sing when he took the book? Out of God's hand, they sang a new song. Behold, I am making all things new. That's what that's what Jesus came to do, make all things new. So with this understanding that the, the Lamb of God came to take on everything that you've ever struggled with, every sin that you've ever committed and paid the price for it. Today, moving forward, those of you that have lost your passion for the Lord, have lost your joy found in the Lord. I want you today to do just what the elders and the creatures did. I want you to start singing a new song. This is what they said. You have made them to be a kingdom and priest to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. Do you understand that because you are a child of God, 
You walk with the authority of the lamb that was slain that enables you to have access to the power of God every single day. You need to walk like that. You need to talk like that. You need to stop giving power to your weaknesses and power to the addiction and power to all of those things. You need to sing a new song. And so today at the sound of my voice, that's exactly what I want you to do. Because the lamb took the book and all the elders and the creatures in heaven sang a new song. We can sing a new song too. So today I want you to start walking different. I want you to start talking different. I want you to start speaking to the mountains and telling them to move. I want you to start being different. I want you to stop all this looking at yourself and and telling yourself what you're not. I want you to walk in what you are. I want you to walk in the authority that King Jesus gave you when he took on death, hell, and the grave and he overcome with his resurrection. I want you today to start singing a new song and you're going to be amazed at how that new song transforms you, transforms your family, transforms your situation and transforms your future. Sing a new song. If the elders in heaven knew that they needed to sing a new song, we need to do it as well because the lamb of God, what does it say? Let me read it. One of the elders said to me, stop weeping. For behold, verse 5, the lion that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has overcome so as to open the book and its seven seals. Verse 9 says, and they sang a new song. So today, turn on that worship music and scream it. Sing a different song. Not a song of anxiety, but a song of faith. Not a song of fear but a song of trust, not a song of frustration, but a song of hope. Sing today, not a song of devastation, but a song of power. Sing today, not a song of being overwhelmed, but a song of being overcome because he has overcome. Therefore, we can sing a new song. Jesus, we love. We thank you that you are not just the lion from the tribe of Judah, but you are the lamb of God who has overcome. I thank you for the power, the saving power of your blood for us. King Jesus, I pray for every single person that is listening to the sound of my voice. Lord, your word says, believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and thou will be saved. Some of them need you, Lord. And I pray that they would believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. I pray for some of those out there today that are struggling so bad because although they're free, they're still living in bondage. Because the little lion have brought, has brought him to bondage. He, he is devouring them. I pray that they would put their eyes on the lamb, fix their eyes on Jesus right now so that they too can overcome. Get our eyes off of ourselves, Lord. Get our eyes on you because you're worthy of all the praise and all the glory and all the honor and all the worship because you overcame for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go. Strength to peace, a warrior for man. God is my God, he lined in lamb. Joy and love, the great I am. God is my God, he lined in lamb. Strength and peace, creator of man. Yeah. Said one word and then it went bam. Yeah. Loves us all more than we can understand. Yeah. Everything's wrong, now it's part of his plan. Yeah. Are you new to this whole Jesus thing and don't know where to start? Or maybe you've been following him for a while and you want to dig deeper into the Word of God. Then you've come to the right place. Each month, Autumn hosts an online, in-depth Bible study through Facebook Live called The Jesus Initiative. The Jesus Initiative is a monthly spiritual challenge to anyone willing to join and grow deeper in their faith. She covers topics such as how to wait when waiting is hard, moving forward in faith even when you're terrified, and how to combat the spiritual warfare in your mind. 
Autumn's desire is to help break down complex topics in a way that's easy for everyone to understand and implement into their everyday lives. The goal of the Jesus Initiative is to tackle real-life topics in a real-life way, grounded in the Word of God. Understanding the things of God doesn't have to be hard. If you're a believer who wants to grow in your faith and strengthen your relationship with God, these Bible studies will challenge you in all the right ways. Simply search Autumn Miles on Facebook or follow her on Instagram at at Autumn Miles and click the follow button so you can stay in the loop for when the next Bible study starts. Let's go. Strength and peace, a warrior for man. God is my God, he lined in lamb. Joy and love, the great I am. God is my God, he lined in lamb. Strength and peace, creator of man. Yeah. Said one word and then it went bam. Yeah. Loves us all more than we can understand. Yeah. Everything's wrong, now it's part of his plan. Yeah. I hope you guys enjoyed that. I hope that, I just feel like the spirit of God was definitely in my studio. I hope that you guys are able to overcome. I pray that you would get your eyes just back on Jesus, just right back on Jesus, because he is your lamb, your lamb of God. He is your lamb. Um, I have a question today, and I also have a testimony. I'm going to start with a question first. It says, I've been going through a rough time recently. Ooh, <laughs> let me paraphrase a little bit. She's been uh, through a rough time recently with a group of people. And she was in her car driving and she says the craziest thing happened. She said, I thought in my head, it was simply my child. Vengeance is mine. So when I got home, I looked in my Bible. Sure enough, the page I turned to says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. <laughs> he did, that is the verse that is in the word. I fell off my recliner. I never have had something like that happen. My question here is, how do I tap into that more? How do I open myself up more to God and not the enemy? I think what you're saying is, how does God take vengeance for you? I'll just say this. There's been a lot of, a lot of times in my life where something has happened to me or someone's done something to me. Um, and, you know, it's really crazy because you know that everyone doesn't know like the whole situation or the whole story. And so they make assumptions based on what they see. I have always, I always decide I'm going to keep my mouth shut. And Lord, you see, saw everything that happened. You saw all the ins and outs of everything that's happened to me. And I will say, Lord, you take care of it. Lord, you take care of it. You've seen it you know what needs to happen. We don't have to take vengeance on ourselves. We don't have to run our mouth. We don't have to say things about other people. We don't have to get our story out and let everybody know our side of the story when things happen. All we have to do is rely on that verse. And it definitely says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. He is going to take care of it. And so many times when something has happened to me or my family or my kids or, you know, whatever it is, I have told them, you leave it to the Lord. You just leave it to the Lord because God is a God of justice. He definitely sees what's going on. And it's amazing how he'll, he'll let the truth be let out, or he will show someone a different side of the situation that will kind of break the situation wide open and truth will get out one way or the other. So when you ask me, how do I tap into that more? You simply say, Lord, okay, take it. Okay. Bring justice. And you leave it with him. Because he has a way of shutting down circumstances and people's mouths and all sorts of things that we would never be able to do even if we tried. So very good question. And I love it. We have a testimony. It says, I received an amazing gift from you in August. A book, books and a shirt. Gangster Prayer. She's been reading Gangster Prayer. And let's see, I had enjoyed what I read and I've been in complete agreement, recognizing many of my steps with similarities. And then I got to chapter nine, page 129. I developed a habit that when I needed prayer, distractions would come and I would say, Lord, walk on the water with me, meet me in the garden, take me to the cross. On page 129 of Gangster Prayer, the book I wrote, the third book I wrote, I was introduced to another version of the garden, the Garden of Gethsemane. Before my garden was a place of peace, but tonight the Lord met me in my Gethsemane. 
Not that it's not a place of peace because he's there, but I truly felt the burden let go as I read the rest of the chapter. And because I knew my daughter was in a similar situation, I handed her the book and told her to start on page 129. She said, where do I read to? And I simply told her to read as she felt led and she finished the whole chapter. That's so encouraging. I think to me, it's amazing how I love reading, reading things, reading in the word where the Lord will just illuminate something different to me. Thank you so much for reading the book. Thank you for passing the book on. I love that it was a source of revelation in your life. That chapter took me three months just to write that one chapter because it like literally destroyed me. So thank you for what God is doing amongst us. I love you guys so much. I hope you love today and I will see you next week with a brand new episode of the Autumn Mile Show, week number four. And we're gonna be talking all about the Lamb of God again. Love you guys. I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Autumn Miles Show. To find out more, go to autumnmiles.com. Once you're there, you can check out the many resources that Autumn has available, from her books and past episodes to her video series. We've got all the tools you need to help you grow deeper in your relationship with God. Once again, that's autumnmiles.com. To get connected and for more encouraging content, you can follow Autumn on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. We appreciate your prayers and support for this ministry. It's because of you that we have been able to impact millions of people worldwide and that we can continue to serve those who need to hear Autumn's message of victory and promise. Find out how you can come alongside us when you go to autumnmiles.com. Just search the top of the index for the support tab. Thank you for listening in today and be sure to join us next time for another episode of the Autumn Miles Show. Let's go. Strength and peace, a warrior for man. God is my God, he lined in lamb. Joy and love, the great I am. God is my God, he lined in lamb. Strength and peace, creator of man. Yeah. Said one word and then it went bam. Love is all more than we can understand. Yeah. Everything's wrong, now it's part of his plan. Lion the Lamb, great I am. God is the rock, foundation for man. Take it from me, go sit yeah. in the stands. Don't yeah. go stressed about how many bands. Lion the Lamb, strength to peace. Yeah. Lion the Lamb, God of the G's. Yeah. Lion the Lamb, take it from me. Uh. Lion the Lamb, righteous and beef. Yeah. God in my life and he's out in the streets. Loves all the people, don't matter their speech. Yeah. Yeshua was so great, I picked up his beat. Yeah. Speaking a song, defining the king. Lion and lamb, he'll hop in the ring the day long and another boat sinks yeah. But he's right here, don't take time to think He fights my battles, he conquer my demons He made me right, I don't mess with the heathens yeah. Strength to peace, a warrior for man God is my God, he lion and lamb Joy and love, the great I am God is my God, he lion and lamb Strength to peace, a warrior for man God is my God, he lion and lamb Joy and love, the great I am God is my God, he lion and lamb Run through the city, I got no shot on my own, can't see a lot. How to see between what's run around when I'm on my own, don't know a lie in a tight dome on a tight road. When my mind soaked in the ways of this world, watch my mind swirl. Trying to check along in a big blue train, now I know change, got it on my chain, nothing is the same. I'm telling y'all, I'm telling y'all. Lion the lamb, great I am. God is the rock, foundation for man. Take it from me, go sit in the stands. Don't go stressed about how many bands. Lion the lamb, strength to peace. Lion the lamb, God of the G's. Lion the lamb, take it from me. Lion the lamb, righteous and beef. Yeah, lion the lamb, yeah. greater than me. Lion the lamb, prince of peace. Yeah. Up in this world and he out on the streets. Strength to peace, a warrior for man. God is my God, he lion and lamb. Joy and love, the great I am. God is my God, he lion and Strength lamb. Strength to peace, a warrior for man. God is my God, he lion and lamb. Joy and love, the great I am. God is my God, he lion and lamb. Yeah. Strength to peace, creator of man. Yeah. Said one word and then it went bam. Loves us all more than we can understand. Yeah. Everything's wrong, now it's part of his plan. 